I'm going to start by reading to you out of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles with you or you want to pull it up on your phone, the Bible app, that's what I use. Uh, you can follow along in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And Paul is talking to the Christians there about how to live this Christian life, how to walk it out, how to live it out. That's really what we're talking about in this series, how to be more like Christ. This is called sanctification. And as Paul is doing this, he starts Ephesians 4 by comparing and contrasting how you're supposed to live with the way the world lives. He says, do you look at the world? Their thinking is all messed up. Their minds are polluted. Their minds are darkened. They don't understand. Their minds are corrupted. And because their minds are corrupted, whenever they think something, they just give into it. They, they, they have lust. They, they think about lust. They give into their lusts. They've got worry. They think about worry. They give in to their worry. And he says in verse 20, this is where we're going to start, but you have learned nothing like that from Christ. This is the way the world lives, but if you want to live the way Christ has called you to live, this isn't the way it works. You haven't learned that. No, if you have really heard his voice and understood the truth that he's taught you, no, what you learned was to fling off the dirty clothes of the old way of living, which were rotted through and through with lusts, illusions, and with yourselves mentally and spiritually remade. Wait, I thought we were just made new in our spirit. No, Paul says you gotta be made new in your mind, mentally. He says mentally and spiritually remade, what you need to do is put on the clean, fresh clothes, so fresh and so clean, of the new life, which was made by God's design for the righteousness and the holiness, which is no illusion. So Paul, he's trying to paint a real clear picture of how this change in mindset happens. And I want to endeavor to do the same thing for you today. He says, you want to change your mind? Picture it like this. You've got some old clothes. You got to strip off those old clothes and you got to put on some fresh new clothes. The way you change your clothes, get rid of the old, put on the new. That's what it is to change your mindset. And so to learn this together today, we're going to take a look and I'm calling the sermon if you're taking notes. Fresh new drip. Fresh new drip. All right, you ready to help me with this? I need you to ask the person sitting next to you, just ask them if they came to church. Say, hey, did you, did you come through dripping? Ask them if they came through dripping today. And uh, then turn to your other neighbor and tell them drip, drip. If you're confused and not laughing at that, then I'm glad you're a Christian. <laughs> Anybody who laughs at that, I'm going to give an invitation to receive Christ at the end of this message for all the Cardi B fans. All right. Hey, well, uh, let's pray. It's always my custom to pray. I know I need God's help, and uh, if you were laughing at that, you definitely need God's help today. <laughs> so let's go to the Lord. 
God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come into your presence, to open up your word and be changed from the inside out. God, I know every time we open up your word, there's the opportunity to change. And I'm asking God that you would speak through me today. Speak to us from your word. Lord, help us to see our situation from your perspective, change our mindset, have our mind be made new. God, I'm asking for it. I believe you'll do it. And we believe it. We thank you for it, God. Everybody who agrees with this can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I am curious, uh, those of you who are here, can you think back to when you were a kid, and how many of you knew what you wanted to grow up to be? Anybody? I'd just like to do this as an example for all the students here to know that you don't have to spend 10 years in Odyssey trying to figure out your life. You can know uh, what you want to grow up to be. Uh, for me, I knew at a young age what I wanted to grow up to be. Uh, it was not a pastor, so that's kind of a fail. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I knew. In fact, I don't know if you're like me, but there were all sorts of things I wanted to be as a kid. Kind of shifted through various ages. Uh, my very earliest memory of uh, knowing what I wanted to do with my life, I was about seven, eight years old, and I wanted to be a spy. I want to work for the CIA. I think I had seen a few Mission Impossible, James Bond movies, and I was like, the, the Secret Service, that is, this sounds amazing. Get these cool gadgets, put your life on the line, shoot guns. Like, this is sound, like, amazing to me. Because uh, it was obviously reality. Uh, what you see on TV is reality. And so, um, and then I learned that maybe it wasn't going to go well for me if I did that. Maybe I didn't have what it, it took. And so, uh, I changed my perspective and uh, the, the next thing that I remember wanting to be was a DJ. I'm talking full-on scratching records. Yeah, I had a stage name and everything. I'm not going to share my stage name because you can't handle it. But no, you can't, you can't handle it. It's, it's too strong. It's too strong. But I, I really, I did. I was way into this. And um, it's probably why my middle son, Oliver, like he's asked for... Uh, a mixer and some different stuff for Chris, like he's already thinking about it because he, he really is following in my footsteps as a child, he wants to be a DJ. Uh, I blame Marshmallow and Fortnite. But, uh, you know, from there, it just, it changed. There were various things. I mean, I think everybody maybe has like a moment of time where they dream of being a musician or an actor. I mean, I'm sure those were in there. But I do remember distinctly one of the things that I really wanted to be as a kid is, uh, and this I carried with me for a while, I wanted to be a fashion designer. You know, that's really hurtful. Like, I'm here sharing my soul with you. I don't know if that means that, that you think I wouldn't be good at it just based on what I'm wearing. Maybe, uh, but I did, I, 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 like, I've always been into fashion as long as I can remember, like I lived in France when I was 17 years old. I went to some sh runway shows there and uh, I had some friends that were in the design world. I actually made some of my own clothes. Truthfully, I, I did. Um, they, they were a hot commodity uh, within my circle. It was a very small circle, but, <laughs> but they, they were, it was incredible. And I don't know like where this came from, but as I was preparing for the sermon, some repressed memories surfaced. And this is true. I was trying, why, like as far back as I can remember, I've always been intrigued by design and fashion and the way outfits go together. And I figured out, I think I figured out why. I maybe need to talk to a psychologist about this and see 
Uh, I'll, Justin will set up an appointment with you later. But um, it's because I remember as a kid, my mom made my clothes. Like, like for real, this is a true story. My mom made my clothes. And I'm not saying I was Amish or anything like that. Like, I don't want you to get the wrong image. I really don't know. Like, I don't know if it was economical reasons. I don't know if she just, like, wanted to develop her sewing skills. Uh, I don't know if I was just way into it. But here's what I know. I know that my mom bought fabric from the store, cut it out, sewed it together, and made me clothes. And she did not do it for my brother or sisters. So... I'm not sure if that means I was the favorite or unloved. I, I really, I'm trying to figure this out. But yeah, I mean, I was, I was just way, way into it. I can remember uh, like going to the store and I'd pick out this fabric. With, like I was like five or six years old, seven, 17, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'd, go, we'd go and uh, pick out this fabric. Like I remember this one outfit, like this was incredible. I, I picked out this fabric and it was like this tiger-striped fabric. And I had uh, some shorts and a matching shirt. And this was not a costume. This was the way I chose to represent myself to the world <laughs> at five years old. I had like an amazing, uh, I had like an amazing jungle outfit. I don't know why, like the, the animal theme was really strong uh, back then. Uh, why my wife has uh, cheetah pants and snakeskin shoes. But um, yeah, I was really into it. Like one of my favorite shirts, <laughs> all of these are animals. This is crazy. Uh, I had this, this like duck with sunglasses with a surfboard. It's like my favorite shirt. Uh, and it was like V-neck and, you know, elastic and just all this. Yeah, you know, like I'm just saying even back then I was dripping. And uh, I was always, always into it. And I don't, I'm telling this because I don't know if you know much, like if you've ever had the privilege of wearing homemade clothes that your mom has made for you. But uh, some of you are nodding your head. So I'm going to pray for you at the end of service. So um, I, I, this, this happened, and I've learned some valuable lessons along the way. Like if you don't know how this works, uh, we'd go to the store, pick out the fabric, and you buy like these kits that have like the things that you want to make, and you pull it out, and there's this tissue paper wax paper looking thing and you put it on the fabric and you trace it out and you cut it and then you get to work sewing it. And um, I've learned some really valuable lessons in the wealth of my experience of wearing clothes that my mom made for me. And one of the things that I would share with you, you might want to write this down, is that if the pattern is off, it doesn't matter how skilled the sewer is, the product is going to be off you won't be able to produce what you're hoping to produce with a faulty pattern. A faulty pattern is gonna make a faulty product. If the pattern is off, the product will be off. And maybe that's why Paul said in Romans 12 verse two, which is our theme verse for this series, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be shaped by the shape the world gives you. Don't, don't follow the pattern of the world because if you follow the pattern of the world, it doesn't matter how hard you rise and grind. 
It doesn't matter how much effort you put to the task at hand. It doesn't matter how much you want to see the change happen. If you follow the pattern of the world, you're following a faulty pattern. And if you follow the wrong framework, your future won't fit right. It doesn't matter how fresh you think it's going to look. It doesn't matter how great the fabric is. If you follow the wrong framework, your future won't fit right. That's Romans 12. Don't follow the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why I thought it was cool that in Ephesians 4, Paul echoes this same thought. He says, you got to discard the old clothes, put on some fresh clothes, He's trying to illustrate how this mind renewal works. And he says, you've got to shed what you've been wearing and pick up a fresh new drip. In fact, you can't have a new drip without an old drop. You you, you got to let some stuff go. And I, I can tell, you know, everybody over 13 might be looking at me confused. Like, is he talking about clothes or is he talking about mental things? And, um, So I wanted to bring out another illustration for you because I thought there might be some of you that just wouldn't pick up uh, what what I'm saying. And I have another way that I want to illustrate this. This is for everybody who um, only knows the technical definition of drip. And uh, I've been talking about things I want to do with my life. Well, after my passion for fashion lessened, there was another thing that I did, and and that was um, I ran a coffee business for a while. And uh, I'm not here to tell you how to make coffee. It really isn't about illustrating process of coffee. And uh, I'm just curious, did they use all the coffee that, that I put in there? Or did you just use a little bit? Who made this? I want to know. All right, we're going to put you on the spot. Um, so the, the way this works, uh, th- this is a pour-over coffee. Uh, it's, technically, it's a Chemex. And really not so interested in the coffee part or the machine or the water. Lots of things we could illustrate. I'm more interested in the process because we're talking about the process of sanctification. And the way this works is you've got a filter and this filter has in it some stuff. And the way the filter works is it lets in the stuff that you want to let in and it keeps out the stuff that you want to keep out. We've got a little drip action going. But here's the thing. Within that, it's working how it's supposed to work. But if you don't change the filter, then the stuff that it's supposed to be protecting you from, it's actually going to cause some problems for you. So let me look at this in another way. We'll look at the same verse, Ephesians 4, but I want to read from a different translation. Let's read from the Amplified Version. Paul says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. In other words, the way you're doing it is not the way that God would want you to do it. He says, in fact, if you have really heard him and have been taught by him, just as truth is in Jesus, revealed in his life and personified in him, that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted. In other words, what he's saying is that your filter 
is getting full. Filter's doing what it's supposed to do. It's just getting full. It says, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished, mental and spiritual attitude. See, Paul's saying you need a fresh, new mindset. Here, it's called a mental attitude. But what he's saying is you need a fresh filter. You see, your mindset is the filter by which you experience and interpret everything that's happening around you and everything that's happening to you. But our filter gets full. It gets full with lies, gets full from skeptics, gets full of negativity. And this happens to all of us, happens to me, happens to you. You are not immune to it. The reason it happens to all of us, well, first of all, I mean, we live in a fallen world. So I mean, I just mean like you go through life, you're gonna encounter struggle, you're gonna encounter hardship, you're gonna encounter difficulty, you're gonna go through some setbacks. You're gonna go through some stuff. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're never gonna run into hard times. In fact, there may be some of you here, you're encountering that this week. You're going through some stuff. Your filter's filling up. Now, that, that's one, but then there's other things. One, you know, the, the, the other thing is that there's negative people in the world. Negative people come in all shapes and sizes. They might show up as critical people. They might show up as angry people. They might show up as, as rude people, bitter people, haters, keyboard gangsters, virtual vampires, you know. Those are the people online who suck, those people. They're just, there's all sorts of different people in the world and you encounter these people and it fills up our filter so easily. In fact, I heard this story this week. Um, it's on the news because my wife likes to watch the news. And uh, it was on the news, true story. This, this woman woke up and she had this incredible pain in her ear. She's like, I don't know what's going on. Got this awful pain. Did anybody hear this story? Yeah, you heard it. So she's like, man, I got this earaches. Well, I don't know. So she went to the doctor. The doctor looks in her ear and pulls out a brown recluse spider. Yeah, this is a true story. I saw that immediately. I thought brain bugs. No, it's true. It's true. Because, you know, as bad as that, they said if it would have bit her, it could have killed her, it would have been horrible. But as bad as that is, we're letting way more dangerous bugs into our headspace all the time. And it gets into our headspace the exact same way. We're walking around not even realizing it. Man, why am I hurting? Why am I feeling so much pain? Why am I aching? Never realizing it's because of all the stuff 
we've been letting in our ears all week. In fact, there's a great example of what happens when we let this stuff into our ears in Genesis. And I don't know, maybe it's because I was thinking about all my homemade clothes, I thought of this story. But what happens is when we, when we let this stuff into our ears, we become stuck. We stay in the same cycles of dysfunction, the same patterns of emotion, the same habits of worry, and we begin to think like, we can't move forward because this is where we are. But I wanna tell you, don't underestimate what can happen if you'll just change the filter. You gotta change the filter. But by, by changing the filter, here's the thing I wanna tell you, is that new filters create new futures. You can have a new future. You don't have to stay where you're at. If you'll just change the pattern of thinking, you can move forward with where God is calling you to be. The, the problem is, sometimes we don't even realize how often it has to happen. I think that's why Paul, he's talking to the Christians in Ephesus. He, he says to them, be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind. I know I said Genesis, but before I get there, I wanna go to Ephesians real quick. I wanna look at that verse again. He says, be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, how often is continually? Well, sometimes that might be 25 times a day. Sometimes it might be 10 times a day. But I like the fact Paul illustrates it with clothes Take off your dirty clothes, put on your clean, fresh clothes, because hopefully most of you are changing your clothes every day. The point is, this is a daily process. You have to have a daily discipline of changing out the filter. Nothing wrong with the filter, it's doing what it's supposed to do, but if you keep using the dirty filter, it's gonna contaminate and pollute you're thinking, and Genesis shows us what happens with that. Because in Genesis, the serpent lies to Adam. You might know the story. Adam hears the lie, believes the lie, and it changes the way he sees himself. He begins to see himself as insecure. He begins to see himself as awkward. He thinks he needs to hide. And if you know the story, he actually makes some homemade clothes to try and cover up the insecurity that he feels. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter how much swag you have on the outside. There is not enough drip that you can use to cover up the insecurity on the inside. So he tries to hide, covers himself up. God comes to him. He says, Adam, where are you? Adam says, well, I heard you were in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God says, who told you you were naked? In other words, we've been hanging out. I've been coming. We've been talking. You haven't been hiding before. Who told you you were naked? And if you know the story, no one told him he was naked. He told himself he was naked. 
Because that's what happens when we begin to believe the lies. It's not the voice of the enemy you have to watch out for. It's your own voice. Your voice that tells you that you're not good enough. Voice that tells you that you'll never be enough. Your, your voice that says that you'll never measure up, that you should feel insecure, you should feel intimidated, you, you, you should feel a lack of confidence. That's the voice you gotta watch out for. See, I've, I've learned that our biggest enemy isn't the devil. Our, our biggest enemy is our inner me. It's our own voice. We give the devil way too much credit. Lots of times in church, we put the devil like he is on the same platform as God. He is not equal to God. The devil is not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He's not all-powerful, all-knowing, able to be in you. No. The truth is, if you're in Christ, the devil is defeated. The enemy that you have to watch out for is the lies of your own voice that you will believe. That's why I have you preach to your neighbor. Because you got to hear yourself talk sometimes. Because lies only have power the moment you believe them. You might not, if somebody lies about you, whatever. You know it's not true. But you'll believe everything you tell yourself. And so you start telling yourself that you're not good enough. You start telling yourself you can't do something. That's when it's dangerous. And that's the problem with a faulty filter is that it doesn't just change how we see the world. It changes how we see ourselves. In fact, maybe we've got the wrong perspective of ourselves because we've been looking through a faulty filter. Here, I'll, I'll say it again so you get it. Maybe we've got the wrong perspective of ourselves because we've been looking through a faulty filter. Maybe we've got the wrong perspective of ourselves because we've been looking through a faulty filter. You're, you're comparing what's wrong in your life with everybody else's life. So you gotta get a new drip. You gotta change what's been contaminated. You gotta get a new drip. And here's what you need to know. The negative thoughts are automatic. But renewing your mind has to be systematic. You have to have a process. You have to have a discipline. It doesn't happen until you get in God's word. You begin to align your thinking with what God has said who he's called you to be. You have to dig into it. You have to open up your heart to it. You have to apply it to your life. It's a process. It's a process. And I'm gonna break this down for you next week. I'm gonna give you some real specifics on how this happens, so don't miss next week. But I wanna give you two things that'll help you real quick. First thing is, you wanna change the filter? Just start by qualifying the positive in your life. What do I mean by qualifying the positive? I mean that from a young age, we almost inherently learn to disqualify the positive. Think about it this way. If your life is a ledger, one side you've got the negative things that happen to you, the other side you've got the positive things that happen to you, you'll look at the negative things, you'll say, yeah, I know why that happened, that's true, that's real, that's right. You'll look at the positive things, you'll begin to disqualify them. What's the positive things? Well, 
Maybe you were a kid, you went out for sports, you played baseball, your team lost, your parents say, man, you did so good, you had a good swing, and what you're thinking is, okay, I lost. They have to say that because they're my parents, disqualified. Your, your boss comes in, he wants to help you change some things, he's bringing some correction, he says, hey, I need you to adjust this here, and while he's saying the things you need to change, he's also saying, but I wanna tell you, you're doing this great, you're doing this great, keep that up, and what you say is, he doesn't mean that. He's just trying to make me feel good so he can really get, he's really focused on the wrong, disqualified. Your, your husband gives you a compliment. Says, babe, you look good. You look amazing. I love you. I just has to say that. He doesn't really mean that. Disqualify. Qualify the positive. What that means is the good stuff in your life counts. Don't disqualify it, it counts, it matters. Somebody gives you a compliment, they meant it. You got an A, you earned it. You achieved something that was right. Qualify the positive. Second thing is stop the excuses. Stop the excuses. I wanna be real quick with this, but there's a great picture of this in the book of John, John chapter five. There was a pool called the Pool of Bethesda where a bunch of sick people would hang out. The reason sick people would hang out there is because these waters would bubble up like a hot tub. I don't know, that's how I imagine it in my head. And the first person to get in would get healed. So yeah, I actually went here when I was in Jerusalem. It wasn't looking, you know, it was like excavated, so you have to use your imagination what it looked like. But it was next to a place called the Sheep Gate. I'm telling you that because this was not a five-star resort, Marissa. This was not like a pool you want to hang out by. This was, you know if you're by the sheep gate, right? This, you can read the reviews on Yelp for yourself. So all these sick people were there because they had no place else to go. Well, there was one guy who was there. Scripture says, John 5, verse 5, that for 38 years he had been paralyzed. He's hanging out there. Jesus comes on the scene, immediately sees him, Jesus, the guy who could go anywhere he wanted to go, goes to the place with people who had no place else to go. This is what he says to him. When Jesus saw him, knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now this seems like a ridiculous question. Would you like to get well? I mean, there's only one answer. If Jesus comes to you, and he says, would you like to get well? Your answer should be yes. But the man says, I can't. Excuse me? That's not even the answer to the question. Would you like to get well? I can't. I can't. See, there's a point where you've dealt with dysfunction for so long, it becomes your only reality. Jesus comes to him with an opportunity and the man answers with his reality, I can't. And then he starts in with his excuses. Well, no one's put me into the pool. I don't have anybody to help me. Someone else always gets ahead of me. I was born this way. This happened to me, blah, blah, blah. Don't empower the circumstances. 
Any thinking that causes you to empower your circumstances is a filter that needs to be changed. And so this guy thought, well, he's blaming the circumstances and his circumstances are outside of his control, so he can't do anything. And your circumstances are outside of your control too. They are. You can't control the things that happen to you. But you can control how you respond. So he thought, well, I can't control anything, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm not even going to try. Except he did do something. I mean, he decided to have somebody carry him to where all these other hurting people were. And I don't know, maybe that made him feel better about his situation. Because, like, maybe there was a blind guy there. Maybe there was somebody who was deaf. Maybe there were people with other sicknesses and diseases. And he'd hang out there, and he'd be like, well, my situation's not good, but at least I don't have their problem. You know, I could be like them. And that's the problem. When you've got messed up thinking, contaminated thinking, hanging around with other people that have the same messed up thinking, it might make you feel better. Hashtag Facebook. But it's not going to get you better. That's why you've got to come to church. That, that's why you've got to get in a group. That's why you've got to go through growth track and get on a team. There are great people in this church that can help you get better. You, you need some people around you who can speak to your situation, help you rise above it. Lots of times what we want to do is find people who will support our situation. But you need some people who will actually get you out. So Jesus comes to him. You ask him this question, and maybe I would ask you the same question. Would you like to be well? Would you like to be well? Because a lot of people don't want to be well. They, they want to stay where they're at because it's what they've known. They, they want to stay where they're at because as long as they stay where they're at, it's not their fault. They want to stay where they're at because... As long as they stay with that, they have a story to tell. And it's the only way they know how to communicate. Would you like to be well? I think I know why the guy answered, I can't. It's because he knew what you and I need to know. That change starts with me. If Jesus is asking me, I want to be well, that means I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to make a decision. I'm going to have to make a change. Lots of times we're praying that God will do something in our situation. Can I tell you, God has actually already done everything he's going to do for you. He's died on the cross for your sin, paid the price and the penalty. I mean, think about salvation. He, he's made a way for you to be united with Christ. He made the first move. Don't make any mistake about it. God made the first move. But he can make the way for you to be saved and you can still go to hell because you refused to receive the gift. You refused to repent. You refused to make the decision to step across the line of faith. Would you like to be well? It means you're going to have to do something. 